I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Eurotrip in 2023. I'm Rob, as ever, joined by Mr. James Rowe. James, Happy New Year! I'm glad you said Happy New Year. I almost said Merry Christmas. So, uh, Happy New Year to you, Rob. (laughs) What would that be? Would that be a really, really early Merry Christmas or a really late one? Uh, with me, probably very, very early. But you know, I like to get my get myself ahead of the game. So, Merry Christmas for twenty twenty three, Rob. Thank you very much. I'll take that and I'll I'll remember it for December. Do you ever? And this has been on my mind since we last spoke, which is quite a while here on the podcast. Obviously, we brought you the Andrew Cartmel bonus before Christmas. Hope you all enjoyed it. But me and you have not spoken here on the podcast since then, so it's been a few weeks now. Do you ever just have random Eurovision thoughts? Oh, I wasn't expecting that question. Um, do I? I think, yeah, in a way, like, I have what ifs. I often think about what if questions. What ifs? What ifs? What's your biggest what if thought that you've had? I think the biggest what if is if the 2022 contest hadn't been cancelled. Like, what on earth would have happened in that year? That's the huge what if. I assume you mean the 2020 con- contest, because famously the 2022 contest oh, did happen. Oh, is that what I said? <laughs> <laughs> In a parallel universe, the 2022 contest didn't go ahead. So in a parallel universe, the 2020 contest did go ahead and the 2022 contest, the 2020, oh God, anyway. Um, no, the only reason I say this is because I woke up at about 2am this morning with a weird thought where I just went, from when Hear Them Calling didn't qualify for the grand final in 2016. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Remember? That's like, an interesting one. Which, which immediately like, to me turns into a what if. Like, what if it had qualified? Where would it have come in the final? Which song wouldn't have qualified? What implications would that have had for the future generations of Eurovision? Honestly, goes on and on. I mean, you say that, Jamala probably still wins though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I assume so, I assume so. <sighs> After all that. Anyway, no more Eurovision what ifs. Oh, maybe maybe they are, actually. Maybe loads of Eurovision what ifs on the way. It's time for the Euro trip. As you know, Lassandra always said, take it away. For me, Eurovision is much more than just a job. It's part of me. Giannis, let me say, we were your first ever Eurovision interview way back in January. <laughs> I remember! So Gisli Baltarsson, Iceland's commentator, welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much and thank you for the Eurotrip. I've been listening to you. Being face to face, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, you're beautiful face. <laughs> I was like, but it is cute. beautiful as well, though. 
We were talking on the phone. Yes. Do you want to have a hug? Yes, please. Yeah, that would be great. Cornelia Jacobs, congratulations. Thank you. Give me a hug. Hi there, my name is Martin Ostadol. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, it's all eyes on Liverpool as we look ahead to the 2023 Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, we are starting the 2023 season here on the podcast by putting all of the focus on this year's, finally we can say, this year's host city of the Eurovision Song Contest on behalf of Ukraine. James, you've said it there, all eyes on Liverpool, and therefore we are heading to Liverpool to chat to two very special guests on the podcast this week. Indeed we are. First up, we're going to be chatting to the Assistant Mayor of Liverpool. It's Councillor Harry Dial. If you cast your minds back a couple of months, back to the beginning of October, when we brought you a bonus episode reacting to that news that Liverpool will be hosting. We chatted to Harry then. He gave us an insight into the city's bid, how they managed to bring Eurovision to Merseyside. Well, he's back on the podcast. He's going to be bringing us right up to date with everything that has been happening in the world of Eurovision and Liverpool uh, since the beginning of October. And let me say, he's been a very, very busy man. Very, very, very busy man, as as often our guests are. They're all mm. busy, busy people. Well, after we've heard from Harry, we will also be staying in Liverpool because we're going to be chatting to Christopher McGrath. He is the Liverpool Echoes Eurovision reporter. What a job. So his job is to focus on all things Eurovision in the city, over the next few months. He's been in that role for a little while already and I'll be getting the inside line from him on the Euro Club about the venue and also the Eurovision Village as well. So any of you coming to Liverpool, make sure you listen to that. So you've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. 2023 is here. No longer do we have the confusion of Last year's contest, this year's contest, next year's contest. Do you know what I mean? Isn't that nice? Mm, honestly, it was being in my life in October when we had to say next year's or last year's. Are we talking about 22 or 2021? Oh, yeah, last year is 22. This year is 23. Next year, I don't think we'll be seeing next year very often, but that's definitely 24. Oh, it's brilliant to be here, isn't it? Because we've been doing a lot of looking back over the last week or so, obviously with the new year the end of 2022, you put together a lovely piece over on Twitter at Your Trip Podcast, looking back at some of our highlights over the last 12 months. I mean, that was that was quite the ride, but it was nice to reflect, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Yeah, we had such a good year, all of it, because of you listening, tuning in, getting in touch and supporting the podcast. We're forever thankful. But now I think it's time to put 2022 to a side and look ahead, Rob, to 2023. This year, Yeah, that's right. We have been asking, conveniently, we and the official Eurovision Twitter account have both been asking for the same thing. A little behind the scenes for you, everyone. We had that tweet scheduled long before they did, did we not? (laughs) When we were both asking for your bold predictions for Eurovision 2023. James, you got some of them there. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, Faith got in touch on Twitter. We are at Eurotrip Podcast, by the way. Make sure you give us a follow and um, interact with us on there. We love to hear from you. Uh, Faith got in touch and said, a major favourite to win the contest will forget their lyrics in the grand final jury rehearsal, sending them mid-table. What do you think about that? 
Imagine, imagine, much like that. That oh, what was the what was her name? She did it in the German national final last yes, year. Do you remember? I oh, can't remember her name, but she did worthy. She forgot her lyrics, better, didn't she? Um, speaking of Germany, Chris got in touch and said, um, I think a bit tongue in cheek. Germany not getting nil point. Mm, interesting. Crossing their fingers in Berlin. And uh, uh, somebody else got in touch saying the winner is going to be between Spain. Iceland or Lithuania? Very specific. And that's impressive as well, given that we only know the songs that are competing in Spain and not the other two. Mm, yeah, Spain haven't won for a very long time. Iceland and Lithuania have never won. That is a bold prediction, and I'd say. It certainly is. But then again, we did ask for them. Coming up later on in the podcast, we will be hearing from some of our podcast favourites here on the Eurotrip. I've asked them for their predictions for Eurovision 2023. We'll hear those a little bit later. But one of the podcast favourites who I was after their predictions from got back in touch and said that they would like to remain anonymous, but they have still <laughs> given me they've still given me their predictions. Doesn't that make it sound more exciting and like mysterious when they've asked to remain anonymous? Now you're all listening, aren't you, thinking, who must this person be? I'd love to know. Can you tell me? Are you allowed to tell me who it is? You tell uh, me and we'll bleep it out. Go on, tell me I'll now. tell you now. Yeah, okay. So it's... Interesting. Interesting. That's exactly who I thought it would be. <laughs> well, this is what they say. They say, for what it's worth, Ireland will make a remarkable comeback. Rina Sawayama could be the UK entry. And this is something I've been saying to you for months. And I believe you've <laughs> stolen that thought, have you not? <laughs> I don't think I've stolen it. I just think we both had a similar thought. I don't think we did. I think there's a message from me to you in about June saying that Rina Sawayama <laughs> could represent the UK. Anyway, and another couple. Stella McCartney will design the presenter's outfits. And her dad, Paul McCartney, of course, will be involved somehow too. That is I could get on board with all of them apart from the last one. That is bold. That is bold. All bold predictions. So thank you to Anonymous there for your thoughts. And as I say, we'll be hearing more from some of our podcast favourites later on with some of their predictions as well. Right then, it is the first visit to the Eurotrip news desk of 2023. Rob, stop shuffling those papers. We've got some news to be listening to. I thought I'd sit upright like official, <sighs> official news reader. Lovely. Are you ready for the very latest news headlines from the world of Eurovision? Ready as I'll ever be. Hit me. Right, so if you are listening to this on the day of release, uh, these are always my favourites. If you're listening to this on the day of release, or at least if you're listening to this in the morning of the day of release, then we'll soon be finding out the names competing in this year's Melody Grand Prix in Norway. Now, there are rumours aplenty, including a return for 2020 winner Ulrika, return for some other potential past MGP winners as well. But to be honest, you will have a better idea than me about who is taking part because you are in the future and you probably already know those names. I did, though, want to bring you this from our friends at Eurovision Norway, one of the biggest Eurovision fan groups out there. Well, they had a little sneak preview to the songs in Melody Grand Prix this year earlier on this week. Now, James, I want you to listen to this as well and let me know your thoughts 
here on what they say. This is Morton from the group after he'd listened to this year's MGP songs. There are so many genres, there are so many good top-level songs uh, in MLD Grand Prix this year and it's so hard to pick a favorite because there's so many to choose from and I think whether or not this song wins or this song wins, I think uh, Norway has a real good chance at uh, winning uh, Eurovision Song Contest, not only with one song but with more. Fascinating to find out that the Norwegian broadcaster NRK is based in a cave. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? (laughs) I didn't know what you were going to say there, but now you, you decided to make it funny instead of responding <laughs> to what Morton had to say. Well done, you. But bold. We were talking about bold predictions earlier on. Some bold statements there. Yeah, very exciting. Can't wait to find out who's on the list. Can't wait to find out who's on the list. And very confident, apparently, about Oslo or Bergen 2024. Mm. Another wonderfully affordable destination for <laughs> Eurovision fans. Anyway, we will move on. Elsewhere, we're also recording this before the acts have been announced that are taking part in Serbia's selection as well. You'll know who they are already. We will have reaction to who is in and maybe who is out in Norway and Serbia next week. In Belgium, Duncan Lawrence has been announced as a special guest at Eurosong. Now, their brand new or returning, I guess, national final takes place next weekend. On the jury for that show, Alexander Ryback. Laura Tesoro, Jeremy McKise, and Nikki Tutorials, of course, one of the hosts of Eurovision 2021. In Greece, the national broadcaster have released the shortlist of the seven potential artists and songs. They were whittled down by a, I don't really know what this word means, demoscopic committee <laughs> consisting of Greek citizens listening to the potential Eurovision entries earlier on. Uh, those seven acts include Victor Venikos. Leon of Athens, which I think sounds wonderful. Leon of Athens. <laughs> what would be your name? Where, 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 where's home? You'd be James of Newcastle. James of Newcastle. <laughs> what would Rob you be? Of London. Rob of London. Rob. Oh well, well, originally you'd be Rob of Rob of Leamington Spa. <laughs> None of these sound as good as Leon of Athens today. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, we've also got Claudia with the brilliantly titled Holy Water. Another one of the entries who has made the Greek shortlist. And TRM, the Moldovan national broadcaster, have released the rules and regulations for the 2023 Moldovan selection. The song submission window is open. Artists and composers wishing to take part have until the 16th of January. So, James, still time for me and you to enter to represent Moldova in 2023. (laughs) Clearly, it was my uh, New Year's resolution. To represent Moldova at the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> yeah, when people are asking, have you got any New Year's resolutions? Yes, to enter more obscure Eurovision national selection shows. And also, James, of course, not on my headlines there. Since me and you last spoke, we have got the first two songs for Eurovision 2023, of course, from Ukraine and Albania. Indeed we do. So yeah, two down, 35 to go. And I don't think we'll have another one by this time next week. Or am I wrong? Honestly, this time of year, Rob, it just gets ridiculous. Have you seen the calendar for January, February and March? It just almost looks endless. Have you seen February the 11th? (laughs) That's all I'll say. If you know, if you know, you know. Uh, If you've got plans for that day, get them cancelled. You need to get them cancelled. A-S-A-P. Yes, and find a TV and a laptop and every device (laughs) you can possibly get your hands on, I think. 
anything with a screen. Anyway, enough about February 11th. Let's talk about May the 9th, 11th and 13th. Those, of course, are the dates for this year's edition of the Eurovision Song Contest. Semi-final one, two and the grand final. Uh, This week, it's all eyes on the 2023 contest on Merseyside. In Merseyside, on Merseyside. What's the correct... On, on, in. Is it on, in, in? on, I I'm going to say in and... You say in, I'll say be. on. In, on, in, on, shake it all about. So, it's all eyes on Liverpool. And we thought we'd chat to two people who are in the city, who are in the know with everything happening there. First of all, it is the assistant mayor of the city. It's Councillor Harry Doyle. I mentioned before, we chatted to him in October, just uh, a couple of days after the announcement that Liverpool would be hosting this year. And I thought, well, it's a new year. Let's chat to him again and find out everything that has been happening, how busy he's been and what we've got to look forward to over the coming weeks and months. So this is what happened when I sat down with Harry a little bit earlier in the week. Harry Doyle, welcome back to the Eurotrip. How are you? Hi, James. I'm good. I'm good. So excited. It's 2023 and it's Eurovision year for Liverpool. So it's excited. Absolutely. And uh, just to confirm, are you in Liverpool this time? You were in New York last time. Did you make it back? <laughs> I am at home. I am here in Liverpool. I am, I've, I've not left Liverpool since I've got back because I've had quite a bit to do. Um, yes, yeah, so I was in New York last time. I had a great time. It's a bit gutted I wasn't here for the announcement, but it made the holiday even better. I can well, well imagine. Give us an idea what it was like when you got back from the States, you got back to Liverpool and you were catching up with the, the rest of the Liverpool bid team. What was it like walking back into into the office with them and catching up with them for the first time? Well, I, I, we screamed on the phone when I was in, in the US and I felt like we just felt like we needed to recreate that moment when I got back. <laughs> it, was like, it was like we found out for the first time. And um, I just remember me and Claire McCall and our director of culture just jumping up and down in the office when I got back just for a good 10 minutes, um, just buzzing. So, um, yeah, no, when I got back and like all my family, friends, uh, who obviously I'd spoke to, obviously, but it was just sort of like a, um, I don't know, it was just trying to relive that moment, but back on home turf, really. You mentioned Claire McColgan there. I feel like you and her are sort of a bit of a a bit of a dream team. Obviously, pulling off uh, the the venture of getting Eurovision in Liverpool, but clearly you two must have worked hand in hand during that process, and uh, clearly still working very hard to this day as well. Oh yeah, well honestly, the team the team's amazing, and Pip Nolan and Robin Kemp, who who sort of they're, they're from our culture team as well, and and they were big uh, behind our bids as well and, and really pulled it all together you know me and Claire are very good at saying what we want we want this we want that we want to include this and and they pulled it together they were fantastic but no me and Claire are yeah it's a bit of a power duo really and uh, we, we like both wearing our jumpsuits as well we try not to um, uh, match on the same day um, <laughs> and uh, she, she she jokes because um, she keeps saying she's old enough to be mum and uh, I don't say that, I don't say that. Um, but no, 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 we, we, we absolutely love it. We're both buzzing. Um, and, you know, I'm obviously a Eurovision fan anyway. Claire liked Eurovision. She watched Eurovision. And then she's just now like a full, massive Eurovision fan. She's like, oh, with the insignia events, oh, we've got this, we've got that. I'm like, yeah, Claire, I know, I know. <laughs> but no, she, she's, she's great, Claire. And uh, yeah, we make, a good, we make a very good team. I remember when we spoke last time, you were giving us an idea about what it took to get Eurovision in Liverpool. It was obviously a lot of hard work, but that hard work clearly didn't stop on the day of the announcement. Give us an idea about how much work has been put in since that day in October 
up to the end of December. Obviously, you've, I presume you've had a little break over Christmas, but you must have put in a huge amount of work um, between October and now. A lot. Um, and yes, yeah, so we've been pulling the team together, as you can imagine. So there's different aspects and different relationships involved in this. Um, you know, of course, as the host city, we're not responsible for everything that you sort of see on, on the TV screen, but uh, everything around it and those relationships and, of course, um, you know, the fan zone, the fan village and the, the Euro Club and all of that, uh, making sure that your security, everything is just is, is pulled off as is, is in place. That's what we're responsible for. Um, but those relationships have been really important. Um, and, you know, with the EBU, the BBC, and obviously that extra element of the Ukrainian um, relationship as well, which we've sort of, you know, each uh, of those three have got that link. But there's a big, big focus on that for for the, the centre of this really is, is Ukraine. And um, people will see that. They'll definitely see that. I've been meeting with... Ugh, so, so many people, um, including Ukrainian politicians, and um, it's just been uh, amazing. It's it's been hard because it's been you know it's full on, and and lots of people have lots of different ideas of what they want to see, what they envisage. But it's it's just amazing, and logistically, I mean, uh, Claire in in uh, an interview recently that we did together, you know, for us logistically, this is you know a day at the office. It sounds weird saying that, but you know, we know we can pull this off as a city. But for us, it is that extra element, uh, and but there were lots has been going on since October. Uh, we watched the show before Christmas at the Royal at the Royal Court. Sorry. Uh, theatre and it was the panto uh, and a big feature of the panto it was Scouse Jack and the Beanstalk was Eurovision so I think everyone's just dead excited about it at the moment and so there's lots of things going on that we're not directly linked to but we, we've basically told all our city partners and everyone you know we've got months to deliver this we haven't got as much as long as what we would have hoped you know when we deliver large-scale events like what we've just delivered uh, World Gymnastics Championships for example we had years to plan for that so what we've said is if you've got an idea, run with it. You see, you've only got a few months to to pull this off, but this has sort of been in the planning for ever since the grand final night uh, in May 2022. I, I seem to recall that text messages had had a big part to play in it. They did, yes. So um, uh, again, I, I have a little Eurovision party every year. Well, this, this was the first year in a long time, obviously because of COVID. Um, and we were watching along, you know, Sam Ryder hit it out of the park. It was just amazing. Uh, it's doing really well with the jury vote, obviously, and we were at the top of the leaderboard. And Claire McColgan texts me. She was watching along and she said, are you ready to host Eurovision? And I just put, OMG, yes. We sort of had the feeling that it was bubbling in the background, that those discussions were taking place between the BBC and the EBU because of what was happening in Ukraine. And then when that announcement came out, uh, that the, the BBC announced that we'd host it on behalf of Ukraine. I mean, obviously we spoke beforehand, but there were like text messages and, and then calling, let's do this. We said we said it on the night. We said it on the 14th of May. Uh, we'll say it now. And, and we did. So yeah, it started with texts. Incredible. And obviously we, it goes back to just how much hard work goes into something like that. I've got to ask you why you think Liverpool is going to be a great city. I know we chatted a bit about it last time and about what you had planned and you gave us a bit of an idea just there. But why, personally, why do you think Liverpool is going to be the best host city possible for Eurovision this year? Because we are excited about it. We're genuinely excited about this. The whole city is excited about it. 
And I think, you know, for Liverpool, I was thinking about this before, actually, it, it always feels like we are forever the bridesmaid, ever the bride, if that makes sense. Um, and uh, and we get lots of uh, hen do's and stag do's as well, which is, <laughs> which is great. Um, but, um, you know, we, we're always compared to the likes of Manchester and then, you know, when, when we were in when we were in the, the final shortlist, etc., and and Glasgow, etc., it's like oh, people said oh, we'll go to Glasgow, and you know, it's it I, I was thinking that you know, it does feel like we are always the bridesmaids, and then but we do like to show up the bride, so and, and we have done. Um, but no, I think what people will find is that we're so excited about this. We're we're proud of our city. We really, really are. And so even the the locals who aren't massive fans of Eurovision, they are excited about Eurovision um, and so I just think when you come here you, you're gonna you're gonna be immersed in the world of Eurovision and Ukraine as well because we've just people are just they've jumped with it they really have I like to call us a small big city if that makes sense it's very walkable there's lots of uh, things here to do you know got great culture lots of history um, and just Everything in terms of the, the logistics of this as well, we know what we're doing. Um, everything is in walking distance, the the arena, the fan um, village, the uh, Euro club, um, you know, Gay Town, everything, Pride Quarter, you know, everything is 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 just, uh, it's a, we've got, we tick all the boxes and people are just going to have the most fantastic time and you cannot beat uh, the friendliness of a scouser you really can't um so yeah people will feel the love when they come here would definitely be the best we had andrew cartmel on the podcast just before christmas who's the exec producer um for the bbc at eurovision this year man i'm sure you know well and have worked with a little bit recently and i i asked him how he'd want to look back on eurovision this year if we spoke to him in june how would he want to look back at the contest in May. And I want to ask you the same question. He said he really wanted to do the Ukrainian people proud. That was his number one priority. How would you want to look back if we chatted in about six months' time? It is that. It, it really is that I'd match that because this year is going to be super special. Um, you know, Eurovision really is. And I think, you know, at the moment, we're, we're working on the legacy um, of, of this event for, for the city of Liverpool as well. Um, and the educational piece for, for local kids um, and just discussing, you know, the history of even Eurovision and, and what it's achieved over the years and the fact that you know, we look post-war and and the, the peace in Europe and obviously it's very topical at the moment with what's happening in Ukraine and I just think bringing all of that to the forefront the, the, the relationships and the partnerships that we've built with our Ukrainian brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters is just, it is being one that the highlight for me, actually, genuinely. And um, I think when I look back, yeah, I definitely, if, if we do Ukraine proud, that is my, that is, that's the job done. One last uh, quick one from me, Harry. We're talking on the, the last day of your uh, Christmas and New Year break. What's the number one thing you're going to do when, as soon as you get straight back into the office? What's the Eurovision big focus when you get straight back in there? Well, we have a certain event taking place at the end of this month. The official handover, the insignia. So that's, um, that is um, in the works. That's uh, certainly on the top of the to-do list. Um, and yes, and then it, it, again, we're going out with our, uh, we'll be releasing the commission to those who are successful as well. 
um, in terms of the artwork and the cultural commissions that we put out before Christmas. But there's also a big piece of work, which we start in this week, um, to do with the, our communities in the city as well and the Ukrainian communities that are settled here um, and, and how they can get involved. So that is top of the to-do list this week. Um, and, you know, it, it will be until until the day. But there's just so much to do. And, of course, you know, I don't do it. It's, there's a huge team behind this. Um, and and it's a fantastic team, and I'm really proud of them. And, and we will. We'll do, we'll do Eurovision. We'll do Ukraine proud. Well, I'm certain you've got a lot more to do, so I'm not going to take up any more of your time. I'm going to let you go and enjoy the last day off before you get back into the office and wish the very best of luck for the coming weeks and months ahead. Thank you. I could talk for hours because, as I say, I'm really, I'm really bored, actually. I'm, I'm fed <laughs> up with, um, of being off. I'm ready to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you aren't listening, find us on social media. at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. This is indeed the Eurotrip, our first episode back, first back-to-school day of 2023. I think we gave you that end-of-term analogy on our last episode, didn't we? Our last regular episode. Now we're back. Does that mean, James, you've got a new lunchbox for the new term? Yeah, a new lunchbox. I've cleaned my shoes and I just feel a little bit downbeat. You know, the first day back is always a bit down. So I need my friends, i.e. you, Rob, to make me feel a little bit better about myself. Friend singular. <laughs> my one and only friend you right in front of me no everybody listening as well they're all your pal as well you've got people listening to this shaking their heads again i'm not his friend <laughs> i tell you whose friend i'd like to be councillor harry doyle that's whose friend i'd like to be you want to you want to be in the know don't you that's the only reason you want to be his friend you want to find out everything that's been going on in that meeting room of his well, absolutely. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in there. But you did mention All Eyes on Liverpool on today's episode. We will be crossing back to Liverpool very shortly because I've been having a chat with Christopher McGrath. He is the Liverpool Echo's Eurovision reporter. So the Liverpool Echo, the biggest newspaper in the city. So I'd be crossing to him and chatting to him and getting the inside line on the Euro Club and the Eurovision Village very, very shortly. James, earlier on, we were doing our bold Eurovision predictions for 2023. I say we, me and you are cowards, and we haven't given any predictions at all. Remaining silent, remaining on the fence, remaining neutral, that's us, through and through. That's us. We are the Switzerland of the... (laughs) Although simply us by being Switzerland, can you be Switzerland on a Eurovision (laughs) podcast? Because then surely, therefore, you are not neutral. You know what I mean? Anyway... To get us out of a hole of giving you our predictions, I thought we'd ask some of our 
favourite podcast regulars to give us their predictions for the year ahead. So let's take a listen to this because here are three of our pod favourites with their thoughts of what could happen and what they're excited about in 2023. Hello Eurotrip listeners. I had such a wonderful Melfest and Eurovision year and I'm eternally grateful that so many of you tuned into the English Melfest commentary to party in the booth with Olivia and I. So thank you so much for that. I hope I'll see you in one way or another this year. Now, Rob's asked me about my hopes ahead of 2023 and what I hope is that we get to have that again. That magic feeling that happens when an entire arena, a whole world comes together to dance and sing and enjoy music across genders, ages, politics, borders, whatever. It's the most beautiful thing. Oh, and obviously I can't wait to hear Lorraine's new song in Melfest this year. So see you in Malmö for that one. Which reminds me, Melfest is back on tour this year. Finally, that's something that I can't wait for. It's going to be absolutely amazing. New Shervy. My predictions for Eurovision 2023. Ireland will qualify for the grand final. I think we have our fire in our bellies now. We have to make it. I think the UK will end up in the top 10 of the voting. I think that the positivity will propel them up there. Um, I think that Lorene may end up representing Sweden again. I think she's going to do really well at Belfast, and I, for one, would love to see her at the grand final again. And I think that Germany are going to turn it around. I think Germany might have a good year this year. I would love to see Australia get back to maybe the Dami Im results or even sneak in a win. That would be really nice. And Australia's going to have a huge milestone of 40 years of Eurovision on Australian television. And I would love for our invitation to be extended. Please, EBU, we would love that. And then we'll actually have a decade of Australia competing at Eurovision. I'm also predicting a non-winning country for the victory, as it's been six years since a non-winning country has won Eurovision. That would be fantastic. Ah, lovely to hear from those three. In particular, Kerry Argos. We're going to have a first-time winner of the contest. Not the only one. We heard from a, um, a listener a little bit earlier on, didn't we? Who thought that either Iceland or Lithuania would win. That seems to be a popular belief this year. Yeah, I mean, we've got out of giving our own predictions thus far. But if we take that point from Kyriakos, if I were to say to you, James, we're going to get a first-time winner of Eurovision this year. Someone who's never won Eurovision before, a country that's never won. Who's it most likely to be? What's the country that's most likely to win that hasn't won already? I mean, it's it's difficult without hearing the songs, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you come to the podcast for this top-level analysis. I don't know why. We know We know the artist. I think that we are overdue a win for... I've changed my mind, actually, during during that sentence. We're going to see a first-time win for the Czech Republic. Are we now? That is an interesting thought. I think it would be a popular, popular thought as well. I think a lot of people would get behind that. You? What are you saying? You've managed to get out of giving an answer yourself? Australia. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Come back to us in five months time and see see how confident we are then i'll see you in brisbane for <laughs> 2024 you're listening to the euro trip your favorite eurovision podcast 
When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Wow, yeah, we'll come back to that and uh, find out how right or more likely wrong we actually were. All eyes on Liverpool here on the Eurotrip. The one second song is on the way. The first one second song of the year. And James, you'll be delighted to hear. I have gone back and had a listen and I can give you the updated score. Yeah, you'll be pleased to hear. So stay tuned for that. But it is now time for our final guest from this year's Eurovision host city of Liverpool. And it's one of those fun times, James, where I'm yet to do the interview. So I'm not quite sure how this starts or indeed how this ends, but I'm sure I had a lovely time. This is Christopher McGrath. He is the Eurovision reporter for the Liverpool Echo, which we've already clarified is the best job ever. So he has got his ear to the ground on all things that are happening in Liverpool to do with the Eurovision Song Contest. So during this chat, I'm going to ask him all about the Euro Club, going to ask him all about the Eurovision Village. And I reckon I'm going to start by asking just how excited the city is now that it's finally the year that they will be hosting the contest. Liverpool's always really backed its musicians and its artists anyways. And whenever, you know, we're all, we, we've all been big fans of Eurovision, but whenever I kind of started to get well down to who might get it between like Glasgow, Manchester and London and stuff, there was just everyone was buzzing forward. Like, we're going to get this. There was no question about it. It was like, like no one can really offer the same things that Liverpool can, whenever you really think about it around the country. And the closer it got to, you know, the finals, whenever it got well down the sixth and then well down to us in Glasgow, there was just so much excitement. I remember there was loads of us being out and whenever it was announced on the one show, like the whole bar just erupted. And since then, it's just everything has just been backed. Loads of artists are like vying for a spot to kind of just help out, do whatever you can. People that have never really heard of Eurovision are finding and discovering Eurovision, which is amazing as well. And it's just, it's bringing in a wave of interest from people that haven't been familiar with the contest before and diehard fans and just general scousers and people in Merseyside who love the arts, love the contest, love singing, love music. Like the whole city has just completely kind of changed since the UK found out that we would be hosting on behalf of Ukraine. From the outside looking in, like it really seems like the whole city is behind hosting Eurovision. And that isn't always the case. You know, we've known Eurovision has gone to, to various cities, various host cities, host countries. And there's been a bit of unease maybe about the fact that Eurovision is coming to town. That is not the case in Liverpool. As you've just said there, it really sounds like even people who aren't Eurovision fans are really getting behind it this year. Yeah, there's always been like a kind of thing. You can kind of tell when a country is or a nation has gone really all out for it you know just kind of the running joke between Eurovision fans it's like oh they're sending in an act that they don't want to win because they don't want to host but you know the UK has won several times and hosted several times on behalf of our nations as well so we weren't going to do this if we weren't going to go all out like we always have done and yeah it's just already you know it's only 2020 it's only just turned the new year and even before now, there was just so much build-up to it already. It just feels so different to so many years previous. And I don't know if that's because, obviously, we're in the UK. But looking at different contests throughout the years, there's just a lot more hype about it this year, I feel. 
So much hype as well, because, and this is one. This is what I want to ask you about next. We've heard already, we've had the announcement of where we're going to have the Euro Club and where we're going to have the Eurovision Village. Now, for fans listening to this who are going to be heading to Liverpool in May, they're going to be really interested to know what kind of a time they're going to have. Going to start with the Euro Club, because, of course, this is one of the highlights for fans going to the, going to the host city. Didn't really have an official Euro Club in 2022 in Turin. We've had a pandemic. So it's been a long time since that Euro Club experience. What can you tell us about the venue? What can you tell us about Camp and Furnace and what kind of time people can expect? Camp and Furnace is one of those venues that is kind of neutral in a sense that it attracts everyone. If, there's a, if the World Cup is on, it'll put on the biggest show for the World Cup. If there's a New Year's party, it'll put on the biggest show for the New Year's party. It's kind of like that venue that if it has a technical event, it sells out because everyone wants to go because it goes, it's massive as well. It's like a huge, big warehouse space that can fit so many people in. And it's anytime I've ever been for just like a night out or technical events, it's just a good time. Everyone enjoys themselves. It's just, it's one of those spaces that you kind of like forget and lose yourself because everyone's just in the same mood, the same energy. And we're all just there celebrating. And the fact that, you know, as soon as it was announced the Camp and Furnace was the official Euro Club, I was like, of course it is. There's literally nowhere else in Liverpool that would have been a better fit but Camp and Furnace. And, and the best thing about it is that for people that will be coming into Liverpool, Liverpool's quite big, but from the arena where the contest will be held, it's only a five-minute walk. And that's a five-minute walk from the Eurovision Village, from all the other nightlife from Liverpool, from the famous you know, upper dock and stuff, it's all just in that five minute radius, which it's just so easy and so handy, you know, especially if you can't, you know, can't be bothered trekking halfway across town for whatever reason, it's right in your doorstep. So you can, if you're here for the week, you can be in Camp Furnace every single night, go to the semi-finals. you can just have a back and forth and just really lap up the competition. It sounds like the perfect week. It really does. The fact that, as you said, all of these venues, these key locations for Eurovision are all within such close proximity to, to one another. It's just going to make that experience all the better. You mentioned the Eurovision Village. Where is that? Remind us, I think, Pierhead. So tell, tell, us about, tell us about that location and what that's going to be um, like. Whenever you kind of Google Liverpool, you see the, sky, the city skyline of these huge, big, historic buildings, like the Liver Building, and that is where the village will be. It's right on the dock. You know, I don't know the specifics and the details, but it's on Pierhead. That's where it will be. That's where we hold things like Pride. That's where we hold things like Korean Classic, you know, the huge, big trans festival and stuff. And it attracts thousands of people every year. And there's it's just a huge space. And it's literally right beside the arena. It's on the same promenade as in, like, you turn your head, that's Eurovision Village, you do a 180, you're looking at the arena, and you cross the street for five minutes, and that's Camp and Furnace. It is all within one space. You do not need to get transport anywhere. And if you get a hotel, even better. It's all right on the same place. If you're coming in, you know, whenever you, like, you visit a new country, you're excited to kind of see the sights and the sea, you know, kind of be a tourist in it. The prom Liverpool's promenade is one of the most genuinely beautiful places in the entirety of the UK. And I'm not just saying that because it's here, but the architecture and just the surrounding areas, it's like right on the water as well. It's so gorgeous to look at. And the fact that the Eurovision Village will be there is just, it's an obvious choice because it's just the perfect choice. 
listening to you talk just makes me like makes it want to be May already. Like, makes me, it makes me want to be in May already. Like, it really, really Good. does. Carlo, everyone should be feeling this well because it really is. I'm not even saying this because, like, I'm getting paid for it at all because I'm not. But it's like, it genuinely is just, I'm so excited because I know what the city can offer and, like, what it's going to look like as well. And I'm just so excited to kind of, like, for it to just get here. In in your time leading the, the Liverpool Echoes coverage of, of the Eurovision Song Contest and, and the city obviously hosting the contest, is there a story that stands out for you as kind of your favourite story so far? Obviously, there's loads of stories still to come, loads of stuff that's that's still going to happen between now and May, but is there a story that stands out? I'm a big Eurovision fan anyway, so even just dabbling into any content that I can do, it's just like, yes, a little break from everything else, like, let's go, let's go. But I enjoy doing the look ahead. I did a provisional timeline for the Eurovision Song Contest where we can see all the key events and dates which you can see on the Liverpool website. But I think something that I really enjoy doing is one of our previous performers from years ago, Sonia, has been coming back in the spotlight again, which I really love because she came second and represented the UK back in the 90s. And it's so amazing to kind of see her popularity kind of have like a resurgence with new fans. You know, we did interviews with her whenever we were still placing bids and she was just so supportive of it all. She actually said that whenever she was performing way back when one of her one request for the BBC was that if she ever won it would be hosted in Liverpool the next year and she came second so she was like it's finally here so they like hear those little tidbits from you know a performer from years ago that was so amazing and kind of so legendary as well it's like really exciting as just a Eurovision fan to dig up and just kind of be a part of for people to maybe look back on in years from now as well but looking forward I'm very excited to have those conversations with some of the newer performers as well and some of the rumoured people, some of the people that are in Meluda Festival and that may be coming to Liverpool as well, which is just adding to the hype. So there's, I've loved speaking to Sonia, but there's so much more exciting stories that I just want to get my hands on, but it's not the right time yet. You're looking forward to potentially chatting to Lorreen in Absolutely. the queue Camp and Furnace, that's what you're saying. <laughs> I think everyone's excited for Lorreen to be coming to Liverpool, you know, if she comes here, it's like, well, how are we going to stop this? You know what I mean? Christopher, <laughs> uh, before we say goodbye, I've got to talk about Ireland because people are listening to you talking there. They're going to say, that's not a Scouse accent, that's an Irish <laughs> accent. How are we feeling about Ireland in 2023? We are always hyping Ireland. It was an absolute travesty that we didn't make that the semi-finals last year. And I think all Eurovision fans will agree. But... You know, Ireland's one of those people that constantly sends bop after bop. We did so well at Junior Junior Eurovision this year. And I just hope we do amazing at regular Eurovision as well. You know, you have to stand Ireland. Ireland's, oh, Ireland's done the best objectively in Eurovision history. You know, no one's beat us as many. You know, we have the most wins ever. So it kind of speaks for itself that Ireland is kind of top dog when it comes to Eurovision. <laughs> But we've all had in the UK, but if anyone asks, Ireland's kind of like my little favourite. <laughs> facts are the facts. You can't change the facts. So all things cross for, for Ireland and Europe in 2023. Christopher, it's been brilliant to talk to you. Thank you so much. And I'm sure we're going to catch up so many times between now and the contest in May. So thank you for all your hard work. And it's been brilliant to have you on. And look forward to chatting again soon. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. And anytime. Anytime you ever want to chat, just let me know and I'll give you all the dates. Like what you're hearing? 
make sure to leave us a review and a rating whenever you're listening. A big thanks to Christopher for joining us on the podcast this week. I imagine his life is probably a lot busier this year than it was last year. I can't even imagine the job title of Eurovision reporter for the Liverpool Echo even existed 12 months ago. I do like to think that he was still doing exactly the same job last year. <laughs> that would be good. Any, anything to do with Liverpool and Eurovision? No. Subwoofer <laughs> mentioned it? No. No, nothing. Yeah, but thank you to Christopher for joining us there. I don't know as well how formal we're being, because obviously I've not spoken to Christopher yet at the time which we're recording this. So he might prefer to go by Chris. Mm. And I don't know that yet. So I thought it was safe to go Christopher. Yeah. Who knows? I imagine we'll speak to him again between now and the contest. So when we get him back on, we'll clarify if he's a Chris or Christopher. Yes, we definitely will. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. Don't forget any thoughts that you've got on today's episode, what you've just heard from Christopher, what you've heard from Councillor Harry Doyle as well, chatting to James earlier on, at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Also head over to our website, eurotrippodcast.com, for all of our exclusive stories from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, some of the exclusive things that we hear from our guests here on the podcast. But James, it is not quite the end because it is time for the first one second song of 2023. I'm excited. I feel like I've got some points to claw back. Can you remind me of the points? Open the notebook. I can. Hold on. So I did uh, I did write it down earlier. I can tell you. It's good news for you because you're closer to me than I thought you were. Mm. Uh, it's currently me 12, you 7. 8, 9, 10, 11. So I can get within one point. I don't know why I had to count that out loud. Probably could have done it in my head, but there we go. You can certainly close the gap because it is me providing the song this week and it is you to guess. A reminder that we are after here. The name of the song, the name of the artist, the country it was representing, and the year that it took part in the Eurovision Song Contest. Would you like this week's One Second Song for the very first time? Let's do it. Oh, that's tough. That is tough. You could say that about virtually every single One Second Song. Do you want it one more time? Absolutely. The very, very beginning of that one second. I'd say the 0.3 seconds of the start sound familiar, and then it tails off over the remaining 0.7. So if you just heard the first 0.3 seconds or whatever Mm. you said there, would you be more confident than you are now? No, because I wouldn't know what that was either. It just sounds a bit more recognisable. Right, come on then. I'm gonna gonna ask you for a guess. It's a high pressured situation, as we've already said. If you get a full house here, you come within one point of me on the one second song leaderboard. Okay, it's tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to totally guess, and I'm gonna say, Ireland. What song from Ireland? Can't I remember? Two thousand and four. Don't think I can remember that song. Or two thousand and. You've, you've hummed at me and tilted your head as if to say, you probably should remember that one. So I'll say 2005. <laughs> and it's Sarah. Hmm? Don't hmm me as if I've got a chance here. <laughs> I feel like I've been looking at you like an owl. I'm like, she hmm? just got like, Sarah. Like tilting, tilting my head. No surname, just Sarah. And Fields. Just Fields. <laughs> So everybody remembers well Ireland's entry from sorry, 2005 in the end did you go for? Uh, yeah, of course. I couldn't, couldn't forget Ireland's representative in 2004, of course. Of course. Um, you'll be unsurprised to hear, James, that you have managed to score zero points. Ah, it's a shame. 
put me up my misery. Where where did I go wrong? All of it. <laughs> I would say. I mean, you weren't that far away with the year. Uh, we are going to 2008. It is Norway. And it is Maria Hakas and her song, Hold On, Be Strong. Love can be hard sometimes. Yes, it can catch you off guard like bad crimes. Yes, it can make you depressed and angry. Make you say, why me? Why won't anybody try me? Very memorable. Don't remember it at all, do you? No, not in the slightest. That song came fifth in 2008. Yeah, mm. 2008. She closed the grand final in 2008. Well, well, this was, as they say, before my time. It was indeed. I forget you are a child. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that brings us to the end of the first episode of the Eurotrip for 2023. It's been a fun one, a nice easy, relaxed, easing in uh, into the 2023 season. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. And next week, by the way, and this is just a very exciting tease for you, I may have more on... Do you remember something you said a few weeks ago before Christmas? When we were talking about the Euro Club, what did you say? Uh, Oh, the board game night or something? Yeah, that's the one. Do you remember a few weeks ago you said... Why are there all these events focused on clubbing and nights out? I would love a Eurovision board game night. Do you remember that? Have you managed to do something? (laughs) I've managed to do sentences that (laughs) sound better than that or more coherent than that, although that one wasn't particularly coherent at all. There is an update. There is an update on the potential... Eurovision 2023 board game night. That's all I'll say. Well, I'm certainly going to tune in next week then. I don't know about you, but I'm certainly going to. Um, in the meantime, make sure you keep in touch with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. And you can read all of our exclusive stories on EurotripPodcast.com. And make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And for me, Rob, it's goodbye.